Ephesians chapter 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, tomorrow is my birthday. Um, but I'll, I'll accept some, you know, gifts today. No problem. Um, <clears throat> cash only. Um, but I, um, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad I made it to 46. That's tomorrow, 46. I know I look young, y'all, but I'm 46. And um, closer to 50. I'm glad I made it. I'm glad I made it, y'all. Um, so we're going to continue in our sermon series on the mission of Christ Central Church. And um, today we look at the third and final part of what it means in our mission statement to be freed to enjoy God. Last week we saw how we enjoy God through worship. And the week before, enjoying, before that, enjoying God as sons and daughters of God. This week, we pick up on a common thread seen in the messages before this one, that God frees people to commune with him. Commune with him. And, and I must admit, I struggle with using the word commune because we don't use it every day. You don't say we're going to have a meeting in the office next door to commune, right? We, we, don't, we don't say that. And because and on paper, you could read it as commune, as in David Koresh or some sort of cult, and we don't want any part of that. But the word commune means to have intimate, connected, open communication, right? Inseparable relationship and union with God. If you commune with God, you, as you may have heard evangelical Christians say, you have a personal relationship with God. What does that mean? That you and God are on a personal level. He is more than customer service or the, on the other end of the line. He is more than a divine point of service. That people and God are in a supernatural community with each other in the way he intends us to be. Well, at Christ Central, because we believe this is what the Bible teaches is available to people, we are and should be on a mission to offer it, to be about that, to, to be about leading people there to finding ourselves and going and living according 
to being in communion with God. And that mission goal is seen and accomplished in three ways I want you to see from this passage. First, the Lord overcomes our situation. Secondly, he joins us in our situation. And finally, he stays with us. Overcomes our situation, joins us, and stays with us. So the people who received this letter from the Apostle Paul almost 2,000 years ago, because the church just got started in the world, this was a brand new thing, a brand new religion, if you will, sort of. They didn't know much about how to be believers or what went into making them believers. There weren't pamphlets around. There weren't commentaries. There weren't years of church uh, messages going out. And they needed to know what made them, those who were free, to have an experience, intimate communing relationship with God, and then later in Ephesians, with each other. Well, Paul lets them know that in order for them to commune and enjoy that relationship, that spiritual connection in their hearts with God that they currently had, that the Lord had to at some point overcome their situation. The same situation in this room. The same situation the whole world of us find ourselves in. The impossible situation of being broken by sin and bound by sin. Look at verse 1 with me. He says, and you were dead, past tense, because he's talking to believers. He sent it to the church. He says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And we can stop right there, very short verse 1. We don't have to read anything else to see that we all have a serious situation. Now, I use the word broken by sin because, you know, that's kind of a popular word to use when talking about being sinful. You know, because we're we trying to get away. You sinners, you know, but broken. Okay, that's cool. You can accept that. Maybe I shouldn't have have taken off the edge because the Bible, as you just read with me, describes it a little harsher than that, than being broken. It says believers, like everyone else, at one point were dead in their sin. That that is a condition of our heart, our soul, of our spiritual lives. Dead meaning the Lord was or is not alive in us. That, that, that we were made to have at our core the, the spiritual life of God. And as sinners, we don't have that. We've lost that. Paul is saying we are missing something that makes us human beings the way we are supposed to be human beings. The life and presence of God in here, in our souls, is the thing that makes us alive. And when we don't have that, we're dead. The hard thing about being spiritually dead, surprise, you're too dead to spiritually bring yourself back to life. But that doesn't and hasn't stopped us from trying, has it? Or, or other things, from taking up that space. They understand that because in that death cavity and that emptiness of our souls, empty of God's life, something that lights dark caverns, that, that looks for empty spaces, curls up and makes its home in there. So here is the hard news. Empty or dead doesn't mean something is not moving you and guiding you or leading you. It just means the life that is the life of humankind intended for us by God who created you is not living or driving life. Here's where our situation gets really bad we get bound the scripture is saying 
It says here in verse 2, verse 1, let's read it again. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We get bound again. We get enslaved. We are slave-driven and enslaved work by the sin and desperation and hunger that grows in that dead space in our souls. And the Bible is saying that Satan, God and our spiritual nemesis, takes advantage of that. Here's the vision that I get. The whole world devoid of the life of God have become real deal sin zombies. Like, driven, Right? by the disease of sin, desperately seeking life and love and nutrients, kind of like a horde driven by sin and led about by the slave master Satan. And like zombies, we are just walking and feeding and dumbly and some of us numbly walking through life because it is devoid of the life of God, the creator, the spirit of God. And we have become filled with all sorts of violent and neglectful and ugly and and demoralizing and broken possibilities. We've become like any good broken down zombie, driven by our emptiness, driven by desires, the scripture says, that control us. And we don't know exactly why. And we have damaged our brains and bodies and each other. And Satan is using that about us to demoralize and then neutralize our God potential and make fun of us and God. So what we might call in our dead, dead sin death, what we may call living is not living. What some of us think is good is not quite good. What we think living and going somewhere like a crowd of zombies is not really going anywhere. Though we believe we are alive and spiritually fit, we have been fooled. Heck, we are fools. We, we can't see ourselves and know ourselves. We don't have supreme power, the Bible says, or inner desire or ability or will to move in the right and good direction towards what God would want for us. We might even see it, but we fail and fall every time. And unfortunately, like our world has gone neglected, the community we think we have is really no community at all. You ever see zombies have relationships? Sorry, I know I got to pull on y'all, y'all ability to have seen a zombie movie. I'm sorry if you haven't. You're not going to get this sermon. Sorry. It looks in large part like our society. We're just kind of droning around to no real and living end. Following every new sound or hope or light or food or lead or that, that is no life at all, that's sin death. And we've become, because of this death in us, because we are dead in our separation and inability to please God, walking as the passage says here, right? In all sorts of messed up subhuman stuff. Desiring and living out, sometimes almost involuntary, to be alcoholics and sexaholics and workaholics and racist and sexist and walking how and desiring what we shouldn't or like. We, we didn't even know any better. Addicted to all sorts of things, self-destructive stuff. Now that stuff from your history and your unhealthy life is actually taking up residence, like a resident evil built up and living all up in your soul. We are desperate and fear-driven. 
We've become haunted with all kind of stuff. But we are not only broken by sin, but everyone apart from God is bound to sin. Look again at verse 5 with me. It says here, even when we were, nope, that's not it. Verse 3, among whom we all once lived in the passage of our, past, passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body, verse 3, and the mind and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. It says here, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. Now, y'all, when I think about my life, okay, I can tell you, it took and it still takes an act of God just to get into my heart. Like you, I got so many knots, so many sin-generated doubts. So much has been done against me living in this world. And with me not trusting God and only myself, broken and bound by sin, some of y'all in here can't agree with me that God had and has to, I said, had to be the one who overcame that to come in. He had to walk in and over to me and in me and in you. And I know your hearts and bodies and minds and souls are crowded with all sorts of things. Too much for me or anyone else to come in and change you. Too much for me or anyone else to really know and touch you and make a real difference. You and I are too powerfully dead. It takes and took God himself, the life of people himself, to overcome all that is against you being a living human being God created you to be. Which means there is nothing the Bible is teaching. Nothing, no power, no demon, no devil, Satan himself, no hurt, no issue, no situation that he does not overcome and cannot overcome if and when God wants to rescue and call you and free you. He overcomes our situation so that he can join us in our situation. Look at verse 5 and 6 again with me. These words are getting small now. <laughs> Birthday's tomorrow, but I can't read today. Man, this Bible shrunk overnight, man. Okay. It's the lighting. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When it says that God made us alive in Christ, um, even though what? We were, as the scripture says here, dead in our trespasses, it communicates a very strong reality considering we were dead in our trespasses, that God went there, y'all. He personally went and came where? Look at verse 2 and 3. He went, he says, it, he, he said, well, you were dead in your trespasses, verse 1, in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince and power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. 
What does it mean for him to come and, and, and deliver us from the sin, from the from death, from the sin death? He came, scripture's teaching, and he joined himself to us. He joined himself to us in our world, filled with Satan and sinful evil and mean people. He went into the sunken place. Right? He went into the haunted by sins and demons and brokenness of all kind of history of things you and I did and have stored up with, our, with guilt in our hearts. He went to where we were treated with abuse, impatience, and injustice. He went into the trash heap of our world, into the sewer, and then into the stench and stink of our hearts. Understand what that means? When God overcame our situation, he joined himself and made himself at home by deciding to come into our lives. He made himself at home within our sinful world, in our sin mess, which means he came out smelling like us. Y'all been in somebody's house and they frying fish or chicken, right? Your hair and all come out. Now, you know that's some good chicken if your hair comes out smelling like it. Sometimes I go into people's house, come back to the car, they cooking chicken in there? How did you know it came out on me? The Bible put it this way. Jesus took on sin that was not his. He suffered death, right? He suffered death from sin. He suffered in our death, y'all. Jesus became like us sin zombies, sort of. Now, I know y'all know I'm a Walking Dead fan. If y'all think a pastor shouldn't watch the show, I'm sorry. Okay? Take it up with the elders. Um, no. They probably walk it, watch it too. Okay. I watch it for the deeper meanings. Uh, for the philosophical uh, meanings so I could use it in sermons like this to help y'all. Um, not for consumerist. Uh, seriously, deep. So, the one thing watching that show for the last eight years, um, LAUGHTER there's only one way to get into and through a herd of zombies. Anybody know how? You have to actually take zombie guts. I've seen them on this show. And in the comic books series I have on it. You have to make like a zombie guts poncho. Right? It's really nasty. Right? You have to smear their blood all over your body. You have to become one of the walking dead to save a life. And Jesus in that way, fully God. Here he is now. Jesus, fully God, perfect without spot or blemish. God of very God, the second person of the Trinity, the one who made the heavens and the earth and you and me, put the stench of human sin and struggle. That's all of the mess going on in your life and insides right now, mentally and spiritually and emotionally and financially, all the racism you did or experienced, all the sexual harassment you did or experienced, all the bullying you did or experienced, the way stuff just festers and infects as undealt with and unaddressed and unloved in you and me, he bore all of that on the cross. He was bloodied by us and Satan bound him, considering him one of us and demons shrouded all over him. And God the Father despised 
despised him as everything he wasn't and despised happening to human beings, and he died. He literally joined himself into our situation and owned it as his own, as the only one who was free to be what we have no choice but to be. Are you struggling with porn today? Jesus comes to join himself in that struggle. Are you alone in the way you were mistreated or abused and you're stuck on angry or sad or feeling like a zero, stuck in shame in something? Jesus comes to join himself with you in that pain. Are you a narcissistic, self-centered meathead? Right? Mad and unbreakable, so-called man's man who nobody will run or control, can't even be intimate or loving or kind. Jesus joins you and me in our demoralizing masculinity. Running after results and money and some position of prosperity like a bloody life, uh, you know, your body falling apart, eating everything and everyone on the way, even yourself kind of zombie. Guess what? Jesus joins you in your deadly rat race. But he joins us with the purpose of joining us to him. Look again at verse 4 and 6 again. I love the way this thing moves. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What? Do you see it? So Jesus unites himself with our death and sin. But look at what we who are broken and bound by sin are united and join him in. Verse 4 says that life... A new heart, a new life. The Bible teaches that Jesus went on the cross for joining us and becoming sin for us, but on the third day he rose from the grave with resurrection life, life to free people like you and me from our situation, from our sin brokenness and being bound in all sorts of their sin mess. He replaces and fills dead souls with his spiritual life. We join him in the life and then in the situation He's in. I was watching the Scrooge movie, that one with Jim Carrey, kind of, kind of, it's kind of a weird, like, animation thing. Anyway, and I love the way Ebenezer Scrooge desca- describes his job. When he's like, man, it really is cold in here. He goes, if you don't stop, you might lose your situation, right? People don't talk like that anymore. If you don't act right, you're going to lose your situation, passage of teaching that communion with God, union and intimate relationship with God is about changing our situation where we are no longer ruled and run by death and sin in us, where we are no longer zombies of sin and, 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 and Satan in this world breathing in the air down here, that we join him again in his situation. Now, this is hard to see. This is hard to hear. This is hard to believe. But I got to tell you the good news. 
It says here that people who are in Christ are seated in high heavenly places. That means breathing in heavenly life. That in our hearts, we are now living above the prince of the air, above the destiny of this world, that we are now like Jesus, the Son of God. And this goes back to two sermons ago. We are joined with him in his glory. We become sons and daughters of God, and we are no longer bound by sin. But hear this. We are bound and destined and linked and in union, tied into and with Jesus's glory. Union with Christ means you are not the same person. You are not the same person when Jesus joins his life to our sin and takes it and we take his divine given for us human beings new identity. Jesus came for our sins to be put on him and Jesus came to put his righteousness on and in us. Which means you are in a place. You're standing in the right person. You're in the right position to be recipients of what verse 7 says. Look at it. He says, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. We're in position. We're joined with Jesus to receive the kindness that God would have for a good and perfect and obedient son. He has and shows us every gift he would give to the God-man. Jesus, the son of God, the second Adam, he now promises to give to us. You join Jesus in his benefits. In Jesus, you are in a position for God, just hear this, to straight up enjoy and overjoy himself and let his life-changing glory and love for you flow and spill all over and in you and me as we still live here on earth. Which means our sins our broken world, all the struggles and sins you still struggle with that still hang and linger, whose stench and historical holds sometimes still echo, those things are no longer in control. They do not reign, but Christ in you, the hope of God's glory, is at work in you. Your body, your life, your life is in this world is under the new power, new guidance, and new freedom to be with God, to commune with God, because with God joining our lives, we experience communion with him. Now I'm with you today. It doesn't feel like it all the time. You seated in heavenly places, really? We join with Christ. We a new creation, really? It doesn't look like it. When, when you and I sin, we, when we give in, we, we revert to the zombie tendencies. We, when we are controlled or pair controlled by the old stuff, it will be tempting to say sin is still ruining and reigning over me. That Satan still has me in my destiny. Things are no better. I want you, and I'm speaking to myself too, to hear this about not being better. Better is often a trick to make you go back to being an endless religious zombie walking, looking to fix what is already fixed, right? to make you alive in a way that you are already alive. Remember this, what, is better, what does better mean when if Jesus has joined and taken your sin and you are seated in heavenly places and live in the glory of God's glory, has taken ownership of your heart and life? What is better when you're already in the best? 
I said, the best place any human being could ever be right now. You are already in the best situation on this side of heaven any human being could ever, even if you experience the shock of living here, even if your body sometimes convulses according to the memory of the old, even when you might get caught walking in a zombie horde, repeating some of the old stuff, you are, if Jesus is in you, if you're united with God, are in the best position as you live in this place and is in your body, you could ever be. Nothing is better than that. And though being joined and united with Christ and in Christ is the best place anyone could ever be, there is still more to experience. Because not only does God free in overcoming our impossible situation and joy in our lives, the Bible says he stays with us. Because God is always at work and we are working for him. Look at how this thing flows. Look at verse 7 again with me. So he says, and he raises us up in him in verse 6 and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It says, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, this is saying a lot, but in short, it is saying that God, because we are united with Christ, are now part of the eternal plan of God to redeem all things for his glory. You and I are on God's work order. And as long as we are not finished, hear me now, it automatically means God is simply not done. It does not mean you are not loved as much because you are so damaged or that we soon will be rejected by God because all our problems are so big or we keep doing the same things over and over or that as we grow to see how far we have to go that God will ah, sigh and think, man, I didn't see this coming. When I took him in as a believer, I didn't know it was going to be this rough. No, when sin and Satan lift their heads in our world and lives, you know what it means. God's not finished yet. That's what it means. Because what this passage here is saying is that as part of God's redemption, those who are in Christ are his workmanship. And that if you are in Christ, you are in process. Let me give you some encouragement here in this. Because though in your standing, in your spiritual destiny and state, you sit in heavenly places, while you live in this body and on this earth, you physically, emotionally, and mentally are, have to live in the environment and historical memory of a lot of junk. But the good news in all of this is found in verse 8 and 9 again. Look, look, look one more time with me. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Okay, so the work and change God is doing is a gift. And the work he is doing, the way he is working his grace and glory in us broken people is not something the scripture says we can boast about earning or accomplishing. That is good news. 
Because that means that just like the world is not by your power to make happen, nothing in or about you, around you ultimately can mess up what God has for you in seeking to show you all the deep humanity and potential God has in Jesus for us fallen people cannot be cut off or undeserved or withheld by our performance or lack of showing we deserve it or get it or understand it or how churchy or religious we can be. And now for the irony of it all. The philosophy of this world is that we work hard to keep what we've earned. And if you work hard, you earn what you deserve. But the gospel says, God and God's loving kindness will never leave you because you never earned a work for it in the first place. But because he earned it and he keeps it, it means it will work for you. This last verse again. For we, is, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared, prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. When I read this, I'm like, see? You got to walk it out. You got to work it out. I knew it was something. I knew it was going to get me. I fell out the heavenly place, right? It's like we're walking a tight wire up there. You can enjoy heaven, but don't fall off, right? You can enjoy being in Christ, but don't fall out, right? Sometimes we think our goodness and our works is like the alternator that keeps the battery charged. What this is saying is you walk because God's loving kindness, the undeserved, unmerited, you had nothing to do with making it come into your life and stick to your life, delivered into your heart, like the gift it is, grace of God is at work. That it works, y'all. And it plays out and works out in how we live and how we play and how we do our jobs and how we live our relationships and how we say no to this and that and grow as people because God living and staying with and joining with and reaching us through Jesus actually works. This is not about you working, but about how salvation works for people like you and me. This is about salvation working for the people who can't do the work. <laughs> this is what this passage is about. People like you and me. I am so happy that it's not about me. I give up on everything. It means how you are in Christ, even in all your struggles. It works fine with God. It works fine for God. You need to believe this. You in Christ, sinner, right? Broken, still struggling. That works for God. We got kind of an interesting God. He likes and loves the relationship we have with him on this side of heaven. You work for him. 
broken people saved by grace alone, by his own choosing, do it that he does it that way with you, right? That relationship that just goes together for God. So now be free to freely walk with him. This, and that is why the mission of Christ Central Church in freeing people to enjoy God is not centered around a bunch of do's and don'ts. Because that doesn't work to help you walk in God's best. Our mission is that you can remember and be seated in high places to see and savor and rest and confess your sins and, and be honest about yourself and fall into, right? And be made alive by and, 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 and open up the gift of God's loving kindness and grace to you. We are on a mission to deliver that message in word, thought, and deed in everything we do. That the means and the message in the community is built around what works. That means built around and centered on the one who alone works for everyone in any place in their lives. The grace of God in Christ Jesus calling us to commune with him. I want you to be encouraged. It's working for God. You need to believe it's working for you then. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. We work for you. <laughs> because of your great love. There are many here, God, who've suffered all kind of spiritual abuse. They were told their faith was in their hands. They were told Christianity works as well as you can make it work. Thank you, Lord, for Christ. Remind us of our union in Christ. What he did on the cross and at his resurrection, how we were raised with him in new life. Lord, I pray that this truth of com com communing with you would work out in our community, Lord, with each other and in this world. That we would live and, and love people with grace, regardless of their brokenness. Help us, Lord. We thank you for this good news. In Jesus' name, amen.